Well, we are finishing up our Disciplines series today. If you would, take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 28. And as you find your place in Matthew, as Pastor Kyle mentioned just a few moments ago, I want to take a minute and just say thank you so much for, for anyone who served at our family fun night last Sunday. It was an awesome night for families and those who served. You truly did just knock it out of the park. We had... I, I personally met three or four first-time guests that have never been to our church or at any event at our church before, which was one of, the, one of the main reasons why we put on the event. So we want to thank you, our church family, for loving on people while they were here. And to my staff who worked so hard, I want to publicly thank you as well. And if you were able to come and support the event, thanks for coming and supporting and inviting people to come and be a part of that night. It was, it was a lot of fun. I also want to mention real quickly that we do have a ministry need here at our church, and, and, and you guys can calm down. It's not about helping with children's ministry. So, yeah, we still have that need, but you, yeah, this is, this is better. So, I should, Kyle, I'm sorry for saying that. Um, but we, with, with the pandemic and some of the things that have happened during the last couple of months specifically, there is a growing need for our church to have a presence online. And there's a lot of work that goes into having an online presence. And with, with a large portion of our church still worshiping online, uh, it's just, there's a lot of work. And so Pastor Dave and his team, they do an incredible job with recording and doing all the editing and everything that needs done. But we, we really need to, we need to do more. When it comes to our online presence. And so if you are here and you like technology and you're good with technology or you're willing to learn how to become better with technology and you'd like to serve in our, our tech ministry, we would love for you to let us know. And so you can email, call, or stop by the church and talk to Pastor Dave Curie, and he would let you know what those needs are. Uh, but we have some things that we'd like to start doing, and we just can't do because we don't have enough manpower yet. And so if that's something that you like, if you are a techie person, this is something that you may really, really be interested in doing. So let Pastor Dave know. Well, today we're going to read and study a very familiar section of verses. And the verses that we're going to read this morning are not necessarily a, a visual of what Jesus was doing while he was on this earth, but it's more of a command that came from his lips that we will then tie into the examples that Jesus made a little later. Um, before we do read our text this morning, I'd like to bring everyone up to speed on where we've been the last few weeks. That we've looked at solitude, we looked at, we've looked at prayer, We've looked at spiritual growth and services and all and being a servant. And all of these disciplines that we've covered so far were modeled by the Savior. That Jesus got away from all of the noise to find some times of solitude. That he had a fervent prayer life. He positioned himself in places where he could, he could grow in wisdom and in knowledge. And then he made room on his calendar to serve and to serve others from a place of compassion. And so the question this morning is, how are you doing? As we reflect back on those four sermons and those four things that we've studied, how are you doing? Are you making time for solitude? Have you made time to consistently be in an attitude of, of prayer, 
Are you growing spiritually? And are you serving anyone besides yourself? We have the great honor and the privilege of observing what Jesus did for us in the Bible, and then we can imitate those same rhythms in our own lives. And so that's been the challenge. That's been the purpose of this whole series is we all recognize that we're all fallen. We've all made mistakes. We're all a mess. None of us have this thing figured out, but we know the one who did everything right. We know the one whose life wasn't a mess and we can trust him and we can follow him and we can observe and then imitate his heart. And that's the purpose of the series is for each and every one of us to refocus our hearts and our minds back to where they need to be. And that's on Jesus. And so if you're there in Matthew 28, begin reading with me at verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for the person of Jesus Christ this morning. Lord, we are so grateful for his example And we can observe it and we can imitate it in our lives. God, I pray that as we study this text, as we we talk, as we listen to your word this morning, as we think about how it applies to our lives, God, I pray that this morning that all focus and all attention will be put on to your son, Jesus Christ that we would block out all the distractions of our lives in this world, and that we would put our eyes and our hearts and our minds on Jesus. He is why we're here. He's the reason why we sing. He's the reason why we learn. And as we discuss this very, very simple, basic, well-known topic of disciple-making, God, I pray that you would open our eyes to what it is that you want us to do each and every day. Lord, we are thankful and grateful for Jesus and the example that he set. It's in his name we pray. Amen. This process of disciple-making, this idea of personal evangelism or evangelism is, is a challenge. It can be very difficult to do and discuss, but it's very important to Jesus. And it was important to Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 when he was sitting on the hillside, when he was talking to the disciples. And it's just as important to him today as it was when he spoke these words in the presence of the eleven. Now, some of you have already, started, have already started to feel a little bit uneasy this morning just by the mention of the word evangelism. You've already begun to to find yourself, your hearts beating a little faster than it was before. Because for generations, we've delegated the work of evangelism to what happens in this room right here. That evangelism is what happens in a church service or a revival service. And, And that's what we see happening in much of modern Christianity. But that's not what we see the Bible telling each and every one of us to do. There's a job that we have as Christians, and it's a personal job. But maybe you're feeling uneasy because you actually know that to be true. 
You actually know that it's not the organization's job here in this moment to do all of the evangelism. And maybe that's why you're uneasy, because you know you have a personal responsibility when it comes to sharing the gospel. And maybe that's why you're uneasy. And I want to say, I want to say this, that's okay. That's a normal feeling. It can be intimidating for, for many of us to, to do this, because everything is about the gospel. And the gospel is an intimidating thing. The gospel is a beautiful thing. The gospel is, is a great thing, but it is a hard thing to talk about from time to time. And one of the toughest things to do is just to proclaim the good news of the gospel to people who don't know what the gospel is. But it's one of the most rewarding things that we will ever do. And so I want to talk for just a moment about the tough part first. That telling anyone about sin or spiritual death and their separation from God in hell is hard. That's tough. That's a challenge. And all of that is harsh enough on its own. Which is why we're called in Colossians chapter 3 to let our speech be gracious. And then it needs to be seasoned with salt. The gospel is harsh, but it's true. Everyone knows that death is a part of our natural life, but they don't always know that life doesn't actually end when we die here on this earth. Does that make sense? I mean, I think I'm preaching to the choir this morning. You all seem, I would say you all would know that truth. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian and this is new to you. Just because we die doesn't mean things are really over. Everyone spends eternity in one of two places, a place called heaven or a place called hell. And, and some believe that we come back reincarnated. Others think that you become a spirit or a ghost. Many believe in heaven and that if you're a good boy or a good girl, you can go there. It's kind of like a, a Santa Claus kind of thing. If your good outweighs your bad, you're safe. And well, that's the problem if you read the Bible. Because how good is good enough? And I've had those conversations with people before. I've shared the gospel and I've talked to them about heaven and, 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 and hell and, and how you get there. And, 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 and almost always the response that you'll get, and maybe you could echo this back to me, is, well, I've been a good person. And my question always is, how good is good enough? Is it, is it my definition of good or is it your definition of good? Is it, is it the Pope's definition of good or is it Jesus' definition of good? And who gets to decide that? We know the scriptures do and that God gets to decide as the creator of all things. And so many ways these conversations can go. And all of those unknowns, they often demotivate us from taking that initial risk of talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ with people who, who may not want to hear or who may have questions. And that's an honest feeling. And at some point, hopefully, we get over that fear and that uncertainty and we ask that God would guide us and we would then just go for it. 
we would share with that person how they can know Jesus and have eternal life in heaven that he brings through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that we can humbly repent of our sins and put our faith in Jesus, that we, we can become marked in him when we hear the gospel and believe. It's, it's always a great feeling. Even when you're rejected when sharing the gospel, we still know that we took a risk that actually mattered. If you've ever been persecuted for sharing the gospel or rejected, it's a, it's a, it's a, there, it's a weird, awesome feeling. You, you walk away and you're like, wow, that was challenging, but that was awesome because I just did something that mattered. And that's the first step, sharing the gospel. The second step in this process is the process of making disciples. That once a person genuinely responds to the gospel, they become a Christian, a follower of Jesus. And being a disciple is all about who we now follow, who we're a student of. So we study the person of Jesus. We grow in his word, and we're going to discuss both of these things in more detail as we move throughout this message. But you still have your Bibles open. Look at verse 18. There's something important to note as we talk about personal evangelism in the gospel. And that's in verse 18, where Jesus says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So while Jesus was here on this earth, God gave him authority. And Jesus tells his disciples to go and do what he did with that same authority. I wanted to start with that because Jesus is giving each and every one of us a command here in this text. As Christians, we are all, every single one of us, commanded to proclaim the good news, the truth of the gospel. We're all commanded to do that. It's not just for the extroverts or the introverts or the pastors or the missionaries or the, uh, the Sunday school teachers or for the deacon. It's not just for those who, who have positions of authority. All Christians are called to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And we are called to do that with authority. What we're seeing here in these verses are someone's final words before they leave this earth. Jesus is getting ready to step out of of time here on this earth in, in, in physical form. He's getting ready to step out of here. He's getting ready to go back to heaven to his, to his father. And it's, it's his final words to his disciples. Here's what you're going to do. Here's my plan. Here's my vision for the future. Here's what I want to, here's my growth strategy for the church. It's just the gospel. It's the gospel, and it's, it's people who are saved, and then they put their, they, after they put their faith and their trust in me, then they follow me, and they serve me, and they honor me with their lives. And that's what we see, and that's what we're hearing. What Jesus is saying is very vital. Yes, he is leaving, but he is giving his people their marching orders. He is writing a job description here for us. That applies to each and every one of us. And the first thing that I want to highlight this morning is disciples share the gospel. This is exactly what Jesus 
modeled for each and every one of us while he was here on this earth. He preached the message of the kingdom. If you read Matthew, you see this language up coming up all the time. The, the good news of the kingdom. In the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, you see this, this trend that he is here proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and his kingdom is one that is out of this world. It has, it has eternal connections to it. That's the message that Jesus was here proclaiming. You see this in how he walked this earth and as he, as he was proclaiming this good news of the, of the kingdom, as he was healing people and he was showing compassion and empathy, he was loving on the unlovable. That is a picture of the gospel. He preached this message of the kingdom. This is the first step. He says in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You've all probably memorized that verse. I can quote that in my sleep. But am I doing it? We've all heard the messages on go, right? I've heard a series. It was like, go, go, go was the series or something like that. And I remember, I remember growing up in our youth ministry. And that was like, that was a big thing. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And those are some great messages. We should go. And Jesus says that I have all authority. So therefore, you need to go and do what I command. But do what? We would go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, verse 15 says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. So, making disciples is a spiritual discipline. We see the Savior modeling this disciple-making process in his earthly ministry here on this earth. We see it. We see it all throughout the Gospels. And, and, and it, but it doesn't happen by accident. This process of, of sharing the Gospel, one, never happens by accident... And then making disciples definitely doesn't happen by accident. Because we have to make a decision to work and do some things when it comes to making disciples. Jesus actually commands this for us. And disciples must be active in sharing the gospel and seeing those converts baptized and then teaching them what it looks like to follow the commands from the Savior. We can't forget that. We can't forget that even as parents, as Cedric mentioned a few minutes ago, that we have the opportunity to share the gospel with our own children and then make disciples out of them in our own homes. Many of us also have coworkers that we see every single day and we have a decent relationship with. That it doesn't always have to look like street preaching, although that's not bad. But we proclaim the good news of the gospel to a lost and dying world. And when it seems daunting to add this into all of the other tasks that we have going on in our life, we have to remember that we are only here for a very short amount of time. Kingdom agenda must be our priority. And the rest is just going to work itself out. In Luke chapter 24, it says... That the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the, gift, for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. That connects right with what we're talking about this morning. The goal for every Christian is to be more like Christ. 
to be Christ-like, the Apostle Paul would write in the book of Ephesians and in Colossians. And we should be involved in his mission. As we pursue him, we're involved in the mission that he came to do on this earth. But how do we do this? Is there a specific way? Is there only one way to accomplish this in our lives? How do we do it? And I would say the answer is yes and no. Is there one way? I don't think so. And that might sound off, but let me explain for just a moment. We, we, have, to be, we have to be biblical when we share the gospel. Here, let me explain what I mean by that. When I, what I mean by being biblical and how we explain the gospel is I know a pastor I served under for many years, and he would share the gospel faithfully. He would, he would faithfully share the gospel each and every Sunday, which I admired. But he would never explain why the gospel was necessary. He would never explain why do we need the gospel he would never mention the word sin or the word hell in his sermons or in his gospel presentation. That's a problem. Because what's the gospel if you don't know why you need it? Listen, yes, it is about hope and it is about heaven, but we have to know why we need those things. There are no magic words. There's no required formula. A process and a grid, they're all good things. I have a grid. You may have a grid that you follow. Maybe you grew up listening to. But it just needs to be biblical. It needs to include. It needs to be the full story of the gospel. I use something called the gospel acronym that was created by Greg Steer back in 1991. He leads a ministry that that puts on events and develops resources for evangelism. It's easy to remember, and it is the full story of the gospel. And I use it all the time. Actually, you hear a version of this almost every single Sunday in this building. Many of you have asked about it, so I thought I would be, I would be helpful and share it with you this morning and put the main points in the verses or the, the key references on the screen if you were here and you were a student of mine in Elevate, you'll be very familiar with this, and maybe you even went to the conferences that we put on. Um, but there are several other great methods. I, I want to make that clear. This is not the only one. It just works for me, and many people have enjoyed using this over the years. Whatever you use, uh, Way of the Master, just the Romans Road, it's, it's all good. But maybe this could work for you. It's, it's the gospel. It's God our sins paying everyone life. That God created us to be with him. That God created mankind to be in a relationship with him. You see this right here in the beginning of our Bibles in Genesis. In Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, God creates everything that we see. And I've said this before. God created mankind in his very image. That we, human beings, are the only thing on this planet that bears his likeness. And we were made to be in relationship with this holy, perfect, set-apart, beautiful God. He created us in this relationship. He put us in this perfect relationship. And that's what we see right there at the beginning of the Bible. We see something that was unbroken. It was beautiful. It was a relationship. 
That God created man to be in a relationship with him. But, as we know all too well in Genesis chapter 3, sin steps onto the storyline. So our sin separates us from God. This is because Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. And they chose to turn their back on God's commands in their lives. And when they disobeyed God, this thing called sin entered the human race. And Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. We have all inherited this sin nature from our original parents, Adam and Eve. We are all born fallen. We are all born separated from this perfect, holy God. Our sin separates us from him. And this is what comes back to the question I asked earlier, how good is good enough? If sin separates us from God, then, then, then are there good sins and bad sins? And, and how does that look when it comes to eternity? But our sin separates us from God. Paul writes that all have sinned and fall short of his glory. And then we see that sins cannot be removed by good deeds. The wages of sin is death, according to Romans 6.23. That the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they immediately began to die. They died spiritually and they began to die physically. And we are dying in our, our physical bodies are, are consistently going downhill. I don't have to tell you that. I'm 37 and I, it's weird. Stuff's just weird, okay? It's proof that we are physically dying. But I was born spiritually dead. I was born spiritually separated from, from God forever and headed for an eternity in a place called hell. And nothing that I could do on my own could ever get me to heaven. I couldn't give enough money to the church. I couldn't serve enough people. I couldn't be nice enough, whatever that means. I could never do enough. And you see this. You'll see this in people. They're trying to live their lives to please a God that they they can't please on their own. He's only pleased through something called the death of Jesus Christ for our sin. And so paying the price for sin, Christ died and rose from the dead. In Romans chapter 5, it says, But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ paid my debt. My sin debt that I could never pay on my own. He gave himself freely on the cross for your sin and for my sin. And that's a beautiful thing. He, it's, he, he basically just took care of it, free and clear. Here's a blank check. He took care of it. He paid the price for our sin. And he says in Romans 10 that everyone who trusts in him alone can have eternal life. That God, our Savior, he desires that all people to to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus says in John 5 that whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. It almost sounds too simple, doesn't it? 
When my mom shared the gospel with me when I was six on June 8th of 1989, it just felt too simple. It's that easy. Everyone who believes and calls on the name of Jesus can be saved. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to dedicate anything. I just call on his name and he saves me. That's what he offers me for my sin. That's a mind-blowing thing. That's a gracious, merciful thing. He makes it that easy. And life starts at salvation, and it never ends. In John 10, it says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That he is ours, and we are his forever. That's pretty good news. God, our sins, paying everyone life. It's so easy to remember. Maybe that would work for you, but whatever works for you, and it covers all the essential points of the gospel, use it. The other question is, how often should I share the gospel? This, that's a tough question. It's been debated for ages and ages. Should I walk around constantly proclaiming the good news of the gospel everywhere I go? Maybe. Is it relational? Possibly. Listen, I'm not the final authority on these things. I see a lot in the scriptures to back up a lot of different approaches to this. Jesus was super relational, but he was also pretty bold as well. I try to grow and I try to learn and get better all the time, just like you. But we have to remember that we never arrive. But I personally try to take any opportunity that I can to share the gospel when the Spirit leads me to do so. Being faithful to follow his lead is something that hasn't let me down, even if I don't get the results that I hoped for, by the way. If I'm with someone I know isn't saved, I look for ways to talk about my faith. If I'm with someone who's, who's asking questions, I think of engaging ways to talk to them about some of the things that they're, they're walking through and they're, they're, they're dealing with. I take cues from the conversation and look for spiritual connections. And there are times that I just simply go for it. I just go for it. I just say, hey, do you know Jesus? And sometimes that's the best way. I just lay the gospel out there. Maybe you go downtown Worcester and you walk around and you just have gospel conversations. Maybe you set up a booth at an event and, and you share the gospel. Or you could even be someone who goes door to door. I don't care what you do. I just know we're all commanded to be doing something. So are we. And are you. We have something here at West Hill called the One Campaign. It's one Savior, one person, one day at a time. And we have heard some really awesome stories come from this initiative. There are even some people sitting in the room here this morning who have been saved as a result of our one campaign, where we challenged everyone to pick one person. It could be a spouse, a child, a coworker, a neighbor, a, a boss. It could be anyone. And we asked you to pray for them. And we asked you to look for opportunities to share the gospel with them. And you could start there. Maybe you could also bring your one to church with you on a Sunday. Just bring them to church next week. 
Get them around Christians and let them see what it looks like to worship and what it looks like to follow Jesus. Let them hear this congregation sing that song, Follow You Anywhere, which almost blew my eardrums out. Let them hear that. Let them see the life that we Christians have because we have been connected to true life. I just know that we're all told to do it. That every Christian is commanded to proclaim the gospel. So are you. And I want to encourage you to grow in this area. I want to encourage you to make this a discipline in your routines. Is it scary? Yep. Will you mess up? For sure. But is the eternity of someone you love worth it? What about that stranger you don't really know? I would say it's always worth it. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That lost, that's what he did. It was a part of his rhythms. He came and he ministered to people. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and people followed and they believed. So we share the good news of the gospel. That's part one. And then part two is we teach and we train. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus made disciples, and it was a part of his his life disciplines. We see Jesus doing this all throughout the Gospels. He's walking with the disciples, and he's teaching them through parables and the truths from the Old Testament law. He taught them how to love. He taught them how to serve and be generous, to show kindness, to teach, to walk by faith, to turn the other cheek, to live for eternal things. So much he taught them. We see this in the, in the book of John where he models for them how to make disciples and then he teaches them and he involves them in that process and he walks alongside them as they do this. And we are called to do the same. We are called to make disciples. Jesus set that example and we should follow it as his church. He was doing this. Making disciples is a foundation of the church. Sharing the gospel and teaching others how to follow Jesus was a daily discipline of many in the early church as well. You see this in the book of Acts. It's really cool to watch these things that Jesus commanded them in in Matthew 28. It's really neat to see these things happening in the book of Acts. The church is coming alive because the body of Christ is faithfully doing what Jesus told them to do. But so many of us Don't make disciples because we haven't disciplined ourselves to do it. Our church's mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Therefore, the sole purpose of West Hill is to develop disciples. This happens through several different platforms. Some of the most obvious ways are through Bible-centered relationships and being under sound teaching and Bible study classes and through the biblical process that we have in our small groups that meet in homes. But making disciples means fulfilling our mission. A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Christ. And we believe that this devotion is best cultivated through spiritual growth that's done together. That every Christian needs this type of authentic biblical community and accountability because we truly are better together. And we see this in Acts chapter 5. It says, Every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. We were made for community. And we were made for each other. No matter where you are spiritually this morning, we can all grow even deeper in our devotion to Jesus. 
and we can encourage others to do the same. We can help keep each other accountable. We can spend time with our kids teaching them how to follow the ways of the Savior. And so as we finish up this series this morning, I hope to encourage everyone to look and see how we can grow in each and every one of these areas. That's really been the the whole point of this series. Not for us to compare with one another. Not for you to look at me or for me to look at you and be like, wow, I've got so far to go, or wow, they've got it all figured out. But to look to Jesus and see, how did he live? What examples did he set? How did he make these decisions? How did he navigate that situation? What did he do with prayer and solitude? How did he grow? How did he serve? And that's what this whole series has been all about. Because we do live in this world that is so passionate about everything but Jesus. And I have been challenged in my heart to focus on Jesus. And I love what our Savior says at the end of verse 20. He says that he's with us to the end. Sharing the gospel, not easy for some of us, but he's with you. Making disciples, really, really difficult. But he's with us. Get persecuted for your faith, he's with you to the end. And so that's the question. As we think through these processes, as we think through these rhythms, these disciplines of solitude, prayer, spiritual growth, service, and disciple making, how are you doing? You know how you're doing. When's the last time that you told somebody about the gospel? I mean, I, and I, I say that as kindly as I can say it. If you've never done that, that's a problem. And if you can't remember the last time, that's a problem. We're called to proclaim the gospel. In Matthew chapter 28, we, we basically see two commands. To proclaim the gospel and make disciples. But we love to make our own lists. I know I do. I've got about 50 things in front of sharing the gospel and making disciples. But I, I can't seem to pull them out of the original text in Matthew 28. We're called to share the gospel. We're called to make disciples. Do you have anyone that you're actively pouring into from a spiritual level? Do you have anyone you're praying for that isn't a Christian? And are you asking God to give you opportunities to take the gospel to those people? And maybe you have questions about how to do it. We'd love to help you with that. You could use that thing that I just gave you, the gospel acronym, Life in Six Words. It's been a tremendous help for me. But what I do know is that Jesus would want to see this in us or he wouldn't have commanded us to do it.
So we go with the gospel on our lips, and we make disciples by teaching others to observe his ways. Because making disciples means fulfilling his mission, which is our mission. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes for just a moment. The message today was simple and very practical, but not so easy to do all the time. And so maybe you're here this morning and you are following Jesus and you just have some work to do. And I think we all do. And so maybe you just need to spend some time this morning praying through your priorities and your disciplines. And are you member of the body of Christ, sharing the gospel with words? And if you're not, Jesus would say he's commanding you to do that. And so we have to get over our fear. We have to get over our selfishness. And we need to do that. And maybe you're here, then you're not pouring into, you're not investing, you're not teaching and making disciples. Maybe you need to find somebody to meet with and pray with and talk about spiritual things with and go through the scriptures with. Maybe it just starts in your home. Maybe it starts at lunch with your coworker. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's that person that you led to Christ. I don't know. You do. And Jesus does. And so connect with him and find what he would want you to do. And maybe you're here this morning and you are one of those ones I talked about earlier that you just don't know the Savior. You're not a Christian. You've never heard the gospel. You didn't know that your sin has separated you from God. You didn't know that the penalty for your sin is death and separation forever in a place called hell. You didn't know that. But you also didn't know that Jesus came and lived the life you couldn't and he paid the price for your sin. And maybe this morning you want to call on him to save you. And you can do that right where you are. Or you can find me at the end of the service or talk to the person next to you. And they'd love to share with you and answer any questions that you may have about Jesus and the gospel. But that's where it all starts. So do you know him? Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful this morning for your word. We are all broken, imperfect people. We are all wretches who have been saved by your grace. God, you have been so good to us by extending yourself to us through the person of Jesus and living the life that we could never live and paying the price for our sin on the cross but rising victorious over sin, death, and the grave. And you offer that hope to people who are separated from you. If we would humble ourselves and call on you to save us. And your word says you will and you do. And so, God, I pray that we would live in the shadow of the gospel, that tomorrow we would walk in the shadow of the gospel, that we would have conversations under the shadow of the gospel. God, I pray that you would move in the hearts of your people. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.